Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your host, Vincent Verhey. Joining me as always, FO Editor-in-Chief Aaron Schatz, FO Contributing Writer Brian Knowles. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Good. Oh, good. Heck of a weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's, quite. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about this weekend. A lot to talk about this this afternoon, actually, but uh, we'll get to that shortly. We're going to, I think, stick to our format here and get to the breaking news uh, when it comes up in uh progression here but we're talking about kyle shanahan who had a big week this week uh, the 49ers got a big win over a uh, another playoff contender contender in the miami dolphins it means a lot for them in 2022 but it means a lot for kyle shanahan's career record doesn't it brian yeah let's start with the positive coming out of the Niners dolphins game before getting on to the negative shall we uh with this win kyle shanahan improved his career record as a head coach to 47 and 46 in the regular season it is the first time in his career that he has been above 500 as a head coach. It took him 93 games to get there, which is the second longest time in NFL history for someone to become a head coach. I was just having to get a winning record as a head coach. I have been sitting on this stat since 2020 because Shanahan was about to do it in 2020 when they played the New York Jets, and then Jimmy Garoppolo and everyone else got hurt. And then a few months later, Garoppolo came back, and they were about to do it again against the Seahawks, and Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And now finally, finally, after two and a half years of sitting on a spreadsheet with all kinds of numbers and facts about all kinds of coaches and their struggles, they've finally done it. And Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten hurt. Oh, the life of being a 49ers fan in the 2020s. All right. Time is a flat circle. But uh, yes, you put together a handy table here in the notes showing uh, 93 games for Kyle Shanahan to get a winning record for the first time, tied with Gary Kubiak, mm-hmm. of the uh, not quite expansion era Houston Texans, and only trailing Tom Landry, whose Dallas Cowboys got to a terrible start in the 1960s and then got better over time. Yeah, Landry took 137 games to finally get his record above 500. Because the Cowboys were the most ramshackle last-minute addition in modern NFL history. They started the 1960 season. They were added after the 1960 draft. So they did not get a draft class in their first year. They were rushed into existence because the AFL was going to have the Dallas Texans. And mm-hmm. it was like, no, no, we want, we want Dallas. No, see, we have a team there, totally. It's, 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 it's called the, uh, the Cowboys, and, and they're going to win a lot. Yeah. America's team, baby. Eventually, they did win a lot, but it took some time. Yes. It took some time. Uh, other, It's actually a pretty good list of coaches when you look at it. So. Yeah, yeah. Share with us our list of coaches who took the longest amount of time to reach a winning record. So the top 10, you got Tom Landry, Super Bowl winner, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Jeff Fisher at number four, uh, returned around the Oilers team in chaos after when they were moving to Tennessee. Uh, Bill Walsh, number five. Uh, Forrest Gregg, number six, had went to the Super Bowl with the Bengals. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, number seven, uh, after the Herschel Walker trade, who made the Cowboys into a dominant force. Greasy Neal, number eight, uh, for the 40s Eagles, ended up winning a uh, NFC champ- NFL championship with them. Dick Vermeil, number nine, he's a Super Bowl winner. And then Jerry Glanville, down at number 10. That's, if you, that's not a bad list of names to be on there. That whole list, except for Glanville, either made it to the Super Bowl or pre-Super Bowl won an NFL championship. Yep. Yeah. It, the, I, lo- I love this stat for two reasons. One, yeah, that's, that's, it's a great list that it shows, uh, you know, that sometimes if you give people a little bit of extra time, they can, they can turn things around. And two, it's a little bit arbitrary too. This is at 
any point having a career winning record. Well, sure. Jeff Saturday had a winning record after one game. Nathaniel Hackett had a winning record after three games. It's, I just love, uh, you know, the, the, the survival rate to get to this point. There are only four active coaches left who have never been above 500 in their career. Uh, Dennis Allen, who after last night's games looked like he might not get to stick around for long enough. You may not win again, game. man. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Smith, uh, Robert Sala, and Steve Wilkes. Those are the only four active coaches who have never at any point had a career-winning record. Sala will get it next year. It's, it seems very likely. I, I, I'm fairly confident in Arthur Smith as well, uh, with, uh, with some restraint. But, you know, he's, Atlanta's doing better than most of us thought they would do. Yes. So uh, there, there's hope there. Dennis Allen, after what I saw, how to butcher a win against a beatable team on Monday night. My God. Um, that's... He, yeah, he, he lost a game that's almost impossible to lose. I, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet, but third and one, opponent's territory, up by multiple scores, less than six minutes in the game. The first team to have that scenario and lose since Emmett Smith and the Cowboys lost to Terrell Owens and the 49ers in, I think it was 2002. It's been 20 years since a team had a win like that locked up and failed to close the deal. Just bad news all around. <laughs> The one other stat about one about coaches taking a long time to get there are the coaches who never got there. That's the that's the interesting uh, you know flip side of that. Uh, Norv Turner coached 237 games in the NFL and at no point had a career winning record as a head coach. His his initial tenure with Washington was was so bad that even when he started getting uh, wins with uh, San Diego, he never managed to get back above water. 237 games without ever being a winning coach technically. That 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 that's astonishing to me. Because the rest of the list are terrible. It's John McKay with the expansion with the expansion oh. Buccaneers. It's Bart Starr who was just the disaster with the Packers. Bruce Coslett, Ray Perkins, Marion Campbell. This is not a list of successful head coaches. North Turner wasn't too bad. North Turner was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, North Turner was bad. North Turner is a great example of the fact that great coordinators do not necessarily make great head coaches. And by the way, Mike. Tanier would even argue with me about whether North Turner qualifies as a great coordinator, but I think he was a really great coordinator. I know when he left San Francisco, they were really upset when he went to the Chargers. And of course, what he did with the Cowboys before he went to uh, Washington, but um, as a head coach, he was bad. Yes, his, don't forget his short stint in Oakland, too. Okay, bad. that was bad. That, 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 that was definitely bad. I can't, I can't defend that one, at the very least. Uh, okay, and we have uh, actually a couple more notes here. So as uh, Brian alluded to earlier, Jimmy Garoppolo, unfortunately, has been injured again, which means your 49ers quarterback of the future and the present, Brock Purdy. The next big thing. The beast incarnate, Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant all of a sudden. This is it. We're really going to see, we're really going to see what Kyle Shanahan can do with his system now because uh, not just a seventh round. I mean, he's done, you know, uh, undrafted free agents for a couple of games in the past and CJ Beathard was a third round pick, but we're talking here about a guy who went at the end of the seventh round and is a rookie. Yeah. So it's not like he's had two or three training camps. Right. Like this is boy. And, and you can tell Vegas believed in Shanahan because the line for the 49ers game against Tampa only moved like three points. Mm -hmm. And um, the 49ers are favored by 
four with a seventh round rookie as their quarterback. So um, yeah, we're really going to see now what Shanahan's system can do. I this suppose we, we've been saying for years that, you know, like it's, you know, that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't as good as his numbers because he gets to play in the system. We'll get to find out just, just how replaceable is the most, least replaceable position on the gridiron when you have uh, Shanahan gone in place. I mean, we know what it looks like when a good quarterback plays in the Shanahan system. It's an MVP because that's what Matt Ryan had in 2016. I think with Garoppolo, you see what an average quarterback looks like in the Shanahan system. I don't think Purdy qualifies as average. Well, the thing is, we don't know. We have no idea. We have no idea, but the best guess about a seventh-round rookie is that it will be bad. But what happens when you add bad to the Shanahan system? You get Nick Mullins, who was fine. Well, here's here's what happened in our in our uh, projections. When you add a bad quarterback to the 49ers system, the Niners fell only to 94.5 percent to make the playoffs. So that's a drop of 1.4 percent. But their Super Bowl odds fell to 3.6 percent, which is down uh, 4.5 points. So basically, it takes them from that second tier of you know if they get five, they can beat the Eagles or something like that, down to the I mean legitimate dark horse candidates, but a dark horse at this. Point. And I struggled with what because I make the inputs. So I struggled with how much to adjust San Francisco. I ended up adjusting them basically the the basic replacement level quarterback amount, which is 13.3%. Like despite the fact that Garoppolo's numbers are outstanding and that Purdy is a seventh round rookie, I was like, all right, if Vegas thinks this is just a regular replacement quarterback, I'm going to say just regular replacement quarterback. But it does really hurt their odds to win the Super Bowl. And um, Ben Baldwin was pointing out on Twitter this morning, the difference, there's a big difference between the market and both ESPN and Football Outsiders when it comes to the NFC. ESPN has either Dallas or Philadelphia representing the NFC in 80% of simulations. And we have either Dallas or Philadelphia in 74.5%. The market only has 52%. And that's mostly because we have San Francisco and Minnesota much lower than the market does. And we've talked about Minnesota to death, but with San Francisco, it's because it's just really hard to judge what this quarterback change is going to mean. I will say, if, if you're looking for, for a little of hope as a 49ers fan, uh, Purdy had won the backup job uh, coming before they decided to keep Garoppolo. Purdy had beaten out Nate Sudfeld. They, they were not going to be able to slip him through. So there is some confidence there. And, uh, you, you know, Purdy looks okay against Miami. I mean, I think he had a negative 8% DVOA, which for a seventh-round rookie coming off the bench with no practice is not bad. Right. Uh, yeah. Garoppolo, in the, play- in the playoffs, injured Garoppolo last year, had a DVOA of 4.4%. They got to the NFC Championship. So that's kind of a baseline of what level of DVOA you were looking at of your quarterback for the 49ers to be able to contend. If he can be, you know, if he can be a little bit below average, then the 49ers have a, still have a chance. If he's a disaster, obviously the season ended against Miami. Yeah, he did have played well against Miami. Uh, he also threw the shortest passes in the league this week. I think 5.3 yards the, it was the average depth of target, and that's going to be a Shanahan thing regardless. But uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to play harder defenses in the future. Miami is not a good pass defense this year. He's going to play harder defenses, and defenses are at some point going to realize we have to make him hit a 15 or 20 yard pass at some point in this game. 
Which... Also, like the the, the 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 two skills he had coming out of college, I've been because I've been going back to all the scouting reports and stuff like that, is is completing is completing short passes and avoiding uh, the blitz. He was very he was very good in college at getting out of pressure. So when Miami said we're going to send eight people on you play after play after play and make you short passes, that plays exactly into what Brock Purdy can do. So we'll see what happens when someone decides to give like to disguise some coverages against them. That's that's what we'll start seeing in the future. Yeah, Tampa this week is a much better defense. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned that matchup because Brock Purdy is, of course, a seventh round uh, quarterback. We don't see a lot of successful late round quarterbacks, but the best example in recent history is, of course, Tom Brady, who is uh, Purdy. Does that count as recent history at this point? I know. As well, <laughs> that's twenty two years ago, dude. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a better example since. How's that? <laughs> Um, but regardless, it's Brock Purdy versus Tom Brady uh, this week in the NFL, and uh, there's a huge age and experience gap there, although exactly how big that is uh, has been exaggerated, I think, by uh, Purdy himself. I've got to think that is the biggest gap in age. That, that, exactly. That Never is exactly the biggest gap in age between starting quarterbacks in NFL history. Play, placing, I believe it was uh, Brady against Fields, which replaced Brady against Wilson. Basically, every time Brady plays a rookie quarterback, he sets a new record for the longest gap between age. Yeah. This yeah. might be the final one, because there's only one quarterback in the league younger than Brock Purdy at this point in time. It's uh, Sam Howell with Washington. So if this is Brady's last year, this will be the record possibly forever. Yeah, said, I don't know why this would be Brady's last year. As far as I'm concerned, he's still playing well, and it's not like he's got a wife to go back to. So. No, it is. You don't leave. I, I don't want to comment on another man's family life. You don't leave your supermodel wife to play football for eight weeks and then retire. I don't think so anyway. I will uh, say you, you made a partial list here of replacement quarterbacks who've made it, at least to the conference championship since 1990. And you actually didn't put Brady on the list, but technically Brady yeah. was an injury replacement. Because I was looking for quarterbacks with a DVA of 5% or less. I was looking for quarterbacks who uh, were, let's see, were not leading their team to the, right. uh, to the championship. So I don't know uh, if any of these guys were third string. Though. Uh I think Sean King, Sean King with the 99 Buccaneers was a third oh, string oh, yeah, quarterback. Yeah. Uh, oh, came he in, was, yep. Yeah, came yep. In in 99 Buccaneers made it to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and almost beat the Rams in a close, lower, low scoring affair, like 13, 14 or something like that. Something like that. I mean, that sounds like that could that could happen to the Niners. The Niners defense could lead them there. Didn't yep. go against the Eagles in the championship game. The defense plays well, but the Eagles are just too good and the, and the offense not able to put up enough. You know, if I had to put a put like a stake on what the Niners' future would be like, the 1999 Buccaneers are a pretty good, uh, you know, example at this point in time. I think the, the, the a realistic example of the best case scenario. Yeah. Yes. That's happened. Uh, I do want to note here, uh, Brock Purdy's quote: "I think it's cool. He, meaning Tom Brady, has been playing football longer than I've been alive." And uh, he didn't say playing NFL football because Tom Brady was in fact playing football at the University of Michigan when Brock Purdy was born in December of 1999. Yeah. One college game, uh, just, just the bowl game. That's the, that's the entire history of Brady's college career with, with, in Brock Purdy's life. He was playing football. Yes. <laughs> At a high level, it's a major, major college he game. He will. I, my, here's my prediction. Brady will, before he retires, he will play somebody who was not born when he was a rookie. You know, oh, it's very close it, now. 
Sam Howell is 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 is, is in the league. Uh, was was born after the end of his career, so that's that's the player Brady could match up uh, this year. But more likely, it's going to be Brady plays again next year, and he ends up facing a rookie, and it's somebody who was born in two thousand. And we'll the... we'll turn out all the age stats again. The Saints and Panthers both seem likely to draft a rookie quarterback next April. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I'll point out that the 49ers defense is second now in DVOA behind the Dallas Cowboys. They're first in basically every other stat. We're like the only stat that doesn't have them first. But they would be first if you remove the Kansas City game, which, by the way, that Kansas City game now has a ridiculously high DVOA because yeah. of the opponent adjustments of playing San Francisco's defense. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that second half. <laughs> and, and that game may get to be the number one offensive game by the time we're done because of the San Francisco defense and how good it is. And one final note here on Brock Purdy. Uh, he, of course, is Mr. Irrelevant this year. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicker Ryan Suckup, also a former Mr. Irrelevant. So probably, we'll the, probably the best Mr. Irrelevant of all time. So we have a matchup maybe between the first and second most successful Mr.s Irrelevant this Sunday. Well, I wouldn't call Purdy successful yet, but I would call him relevant. He's, He's relevant. The first, first Mr. Irrelevant to ever complete a pass in the NFL. Yeah, he, he, compared to most other Mr.s Irrelevant, he may yes. already be in the – there's a Suck short list. And I know there's a guy named Marty Moore who played for the Patriots, yep. I think, uh, won Super Bowls as Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it has happened, but – there was someone in the Discord server who suggested, hey, let's do an article on the most notable Mr.'s Irrelevant. And I didn't say anything, but I thought, man, that's going to be a short article. Yes. If there's, it, it's rare, guys. It's rare. They, they, they didn't give that name randomly. Oh. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts and the Dallas Cowboys, a game that people may forget this. The Cowboys only led by two points going into the fourth quarter, and then all hell broke loose. Historical amounts of hell, yeah. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Because you know, the Colts looked good at the beginning. They scored 10 points in the first quarter, which is more points than they scored in all first quarters under Frank Reich this year. So they, 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 they were fantastic. And then uh, the fourth quarter happened, and Dallas scored 33 points yeah. in 15 minutes. That is one short of the all-time NFL record. Uh, the Lions had a crazy game against the Bears in 2007 where they scored 34 that involved a Devin Hester kickoff return to remove a Bearish possession. The Lions returned an onside kick for a touchdown. That one, that one is one of the craziest games in, re in uh, recent NFL history. And it was 33-0 to zero in the fourth quarter, which ties the largest margin in a quarter in NFL history. When the 1925 Chicago Cardinals beat the 1925 Milwaukee Badgers. And I say the 25 Milwaukee Badgers with some quotation marks around it. Because if you thought the Colts did not look like professional football players, well, the 1925 Badgers literally were not professional football players. This was part of the 1925 uh, uh, championship scandal uh, between the uh, Bad between the sorry, Chicago Cardinals and the Pottsville Maroons. Uh, the Maroons had just gotten kicked out of the league for playing an illegal uh, exhibition game in Philadelphia. So the Cardinals were trying to string together some more games so they could end the season with a higher win-loss percentage. And so they called everyone they knew in Chicago and they got to play the Hammond Crows and they crushed them. And they found the owner of the Milwaukee Badgers who lived in Chicago. And he said, I would love to play you guys, but my team has gone home. I don't have anyone left. 
And the Cardinals said, don't worry, show up with all your equipment and we'll provide you some players. They went to the, a local high school here in Chicago, got four high school kids, gave them fake names and told them to dress and play as the Milwaukee Badgers. And that's how they managed to score 33 points in the fourth quarter. They were professional athletes playing a bunch of high school kids. I love the early NFL. There's a, there's a postscript to this, too, because the NFL obviously like, this is terrible. We can't let that happen. The, the, the high school kids, we're going we're gonna to ban the Potsdam Maroons. We're going to ban the Chicago Cardinals. We're going to kick the, the Badgers out of the league. We're going to kick everyone. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to investigate this. We're going to figure out who should be the real champions. And then in the 1926 like spring meetings for the season, all of this got quickly swept aside and pushed under the table because Red Grange had just left the NFL to start a competing football league. And if you kick out your world champions and your second place champions, they're going to go to your competing football league and play there. So the reason the Chicago Cardinals got to keep the 25 championship is because they were afraid they were going to go play for a rival league. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes had just left to start the USFL and like the Bengals and Rams had gone with him. That's essentially what the, the world of football was in What's 1925. That Saudi Arabian Golf League? It's right, the, exactly. Live yeah. golf? Yeah. Um, Michael Walsh points out as a footnote that Bill Kinney was Mr. Irrelevant in 1978 when there were like 12 rounds to the draft. And he oh, was yeah, a pro bowler, pro bowler in 1983. Not bad. I will also just say uh, I went into Sunday Night Football leading my fantasy game by 50 points <laughs> against, and this is who the other guy had left. I was done. The other guy had the Dallas defense. Taysom Hill and Tom Brady. Oh no! And I had to watch the Dallas defense. You think you're up fifty? You're done, right? I had to watch the Dallas defense score over and over again. Then Taysom Hill catch a touchdown pass, and then Tom Brady do what he did. And I computed it, and I realized if he throws a touchdown pass. Unless there's a lot of penalties on this last drive, I'm going to win. And I won by two points. Oh, okay. oh that would have been a bad beat to beat all bad beats. <laughs> uh, useful title. Thank you. Adam Schefter reporting that Lamar Jackson has a PCL sprain and is out one to three weeks, which I think comports with about what we all expected. Yeah, that would be the reports. Yeah. Missed some time, but be back before the end of the regular season. So. Uh, that certainly could have been worse. Yes. Certainly could have been worse. So, good good for uh, the Ravens, who I think we have making the playoffs like 95% of the time. Yeah. And good good, good for football fans in general, because Lamar Jackson's fun to watch. Although Tyler Huntley, as backups go, is also pretty fun to watch. Yes. Um, before we move on, I just want to say I, I love when Brian goes on his uh, history rants, but how is it possible? We have 32 NFL teams, plus the USFL, plus the XFL coming back, and there's no team called the Pottsville Maroons. That name needs to come back like immediately. That's a great name for a football team. We are getting the Memphis Showboats back this year. Yeah. Really? I didn't realize that. Yes. The USFL is going to play in two cities instead of one. And because the second city is Memphis and they want to be able to have a home team, goodbye to the Tampa Bay Bandits and hello to the Memphis Showboats. Losing the Tampa Bay Bandits, so that's you know that that's sucks. yeah, yeah that, that, Bandits are the classic USFL of all class above all classic USFL teams. Yeah. But they needed to get rid of a South team, I guess, to make the divisions make sense. I don't know. 
uh, making sense is not something the current USFL does uh, does a no. ton of a lot of. So we'll, we'll see how that works. All right. So uh, news broke here about 15, 20 minutes before we started recording that the Tennessee Titans were firing general manager uh, John Robinson. And it may be just because he was career murdered by his former player, A.J. Brown. And we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles now. Yeah, that that the, the I don't know if the Eagles stomped the Titans bad enough to justify firing your general manager, but they certainly did beat them down. They uh they threw for 350 yards. Remember last week they ran for 350 yards. No team has ever done that in back-to-back weeks in either order. So this is a very much we can beat you in any way uh any way you you want to have, be beaten kind of thing. Uh AJ Brown had more receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. Then every Titans receiver in this game combined. And after the game, he said that he'd had this one circled because obviously he'd been traded from the Titans to the Eagles and was looking for maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of revenge going on here. While Jalen Hurts, meanwhile, became the first player in Eagles history, which is a long history, with 350 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown in the same game. He's also the first player ever to throw for 300 yards a game after he just rushed for 150. So Jalen Hurts is doing well, only all two or three quarterbacks have ever rushed for 150 to yeah. begin with. So yeah, short list. Um, the thing is, I don't know if AJ Brown would fit under Tennessee's cap. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the problem with firing John Robinson. He traded AJ Brown for a reason. The idea was trade AJ Brown, get a receiver who hopefully turns into him, and save a ton of money. And they did. They used the pick on Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is not Justin Jefferson. We don't know yet how good he's going to be. He's not great as a rookie. But, like, you got to fit under the cap, man. Like, And wh- why now? I mean, they, they gave him an extension 10 months ago. Uh, I mean, you know, now because A.J. Br- I mean, this sounds like the owner had a hissy fit, honestly. Yeah. Or, or, well, the owner and and or uh, in collaboration, perhaps, with the head coach who uh, was not happy about that Brown trade, whether it had to be done or not. And, uh, you know, the, the timing is bizarre. And on the surface, the Titans are in first place again, like they were last year. But we've kind of talked about this. Mike Rabel is an overachiever because this roster is really not very good. And the most of the good players they have are guys they just had for a while and hung on to, like Derrick Henry. And they, they, they scored on they scored on Henry once and, um, you know, have been lucky enough to ride him for the better part of a decade now. Uh, but there's there's a lot, they, they, they defend the run well, and that's about it. Yeah. And this is a move that happened in like February or something. I think we all yeah. would have been you know, more understanding of it. Yes. Just, it, it's a bad look to fire him immediately after your team has gotten embarrassed like this when you've given him an extension. And it's weird when you're going to win your division. Yeah, like like not this week, but yeah, they, they there's no way anyone in the ASF is going to catch them. So I, I don't know where they go from here because they have a very average roster that keeps winning a bad division. Yep. Do they think that they can build and go on a run with Tannehill at quarterback, or do they hire someone who's going to tear it down and go into rebuilding land with Malik Willis at quarterback? Like they're not. I don't see Tannehill as a guy where. Boy, if the Titans just added one or two pieces, they would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Like it's no. just not the way it is. No, they 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 they've been 
treading water kind of for a couple of years now. I, 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 I would think it would be time for a, for a major rebuild. And I don't think uh, they have Malik Willis, but they didn't make a, they did not make a major investment in Malik. He's not. No, no, guy. they can go draft a first rounder next they year. Can, they can draft a guy, or if there's a veteran sort of likes is available, they can do that. They, 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 they can start from scratch. Uh, and I would uh, let's see. Mike Vrabel deserves to keep his job, but if that's what they're going to do, does he want to stick around, or would he rather? you know, not start over again. We'd rather go somewhere that was closer to a team ready to win now. But Let's have uh, yeah, they can go a bunch of different ways. There's no clear path forward. It's, 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 it's murky. Yeah. It's just weird, weird breaking news. I haven't not, not even managed to fully process yet. Cause you, you, yeah. listen, you don't find your general manager on December 6th. That's just not something you do. No. Well, I, I, I guess you don't do much. The trade deadline's done. There's not much to do, I guess, at this point in time as a general manager, except for preparing for the draft. Next- maybe. Yeah. Prepare for the draft. Watch that waiver wire in case a uh, former number one overall pick quarterback is available. And uh, yeah. see where he ends up. Well, what you do do in December, if you're football outsiders, this actually may have been late November, but uh, you put up new stats for your FO Plus subscribers. We have now quarterback directional passing stats, so you can see not just who is best and worst throwing, but who is best and worst throwing deep, best and worst throwing short, or left, right, or down the middle. And this, of course, leads to a lot of very fun splits, including for the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr. Yes, Derek Carr has 446 DYAR throwing to the right, and only 108 DYAR throwing to the left. The biggest gap for any uh, qualified quarterback. Now, I, I wrote, originally wrote two guesses where Devontae Adams tends to line up, and I was wrong because Adams actually lines up on the left more than he lines up on the right. Adams has similar splits. Adams has negative one DYAR on the left, so he's basically a replacement-level uh, target on the left, but 115 up the middle and 105 to the right. So uh, that might be uh, Joshua Daniels. Move him over. Move Devontae Adams over here, please. Yeah, it's a Derek Carr. I, you know, I look at the left versus right. Like, I tend to believe that middle versus outside is a more real split than left versus right. But some of these left versus right splits do actually carry over multiple years. I don't know whether this is one of them, but um, there are some weird ones. And this is weird. Like, it's weird that Carr is so much better to the right when it's not specifically that he has certain receivers on that side. If you want to talk about middle versus outside splits – you you could find out that Justin Fields is last in the league with a minus twelve point two percent DVOA when pulling over the middle. He's the only qualified quarterback with a negative DYAR when targeting the middle of the field. But he's uh, ninth on in DVOA when the on throws was left, and he's uh, at the at the top of the bottom ten throwing to the right. So he's better when he's going to the outside, in part because he's rolling to the outside and getting those kind of passes over there. That he's makes been, a logical sense, I think. He's been yeah. terrible playing over the middle, but 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 fairly solid when he's been able to be on the move. As the as the Bears discovered, I think sometime in late October. <laughs> the other really weird side-by-side split is Mac Jones. Yes. Mac, Mac Jones. Jones is one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league throwing to the right side. And the worst quarterback in the league throwing to the left side. Yeah, and I have no idea. And I watch the Patriots every week. And I have no idea why that would be. There used to be a theory um, that right-handed quarterbacks would be better throwing to the right, but there's so few left-handers these days that this not that's there's no meaningful data to draw to analyze on that. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, we mentioned Brock Purdy throwing short in the San Francisco offense. Jimmy Garoppolo is your 
technically your current leader in DVOA on short passes at uh, 42.4%. And uh, I think he's done enough passes to qualify. So yeah, yeah, there. absolutely. So he'll probably be in first place by the end of the year still. Uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield currently, I guess technically currently unemployed, is uh, last at 25, minus 25.5%. Yeah. And then we get into the deep ball stats, and here is some stuff that I don't think any of us, well, can't pick it, but uh, a lot of stuff that we would not have guessed. Geno Smith is your leader in DVOA on deep passes. With a 142.6%. This is a Tyler uh, Lockett stat. Yes, this is 100% a Tyler Lockett stat. Part. A little bit but, of DK Metcalf, but for the most part, yes, Tyler Lockett's the deep guy. But, you know, you do have to be able to hit your Tyler Lockett's of the world when you throw it deep, and that's not a given for all quarterbacks. Somehow, despite the DVA on deep passes being so much higher than anything else, because if you have time to throw deep, someone's probably open, Yes. Tyler Murray and Kenny Pickett somehow have negative deep dvoa murray somehow has negative 117 dyar on deep shots okay that that's shouldn't nuts happen. that is insane because like you say deep route dvoa and dyar by their nature are artificially inflated because quarterbacks don't check down to a nine route they only throw the posts and the corners and the goes when the guys are at least a little bit open you don't get sacked so night on a deep pass. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't fumble on a deep pass. You know, it's every always... single catch gains at least sixteen yards by definition. By definition, <laughs> yes. So having negative num- negative below replacement level, significantly below replacement level on uh, on, on deep shots. I, I I don't recall ever seeing that. I'm writing the Arizona chapter. I can already tell this is going to be a research project. Worst deep ball. Their offense, offense is worse in DVOA than Denver. Yeah, and I mean, and Denver can't score. As strange as that is, like I mean, having watched both teams fairly regularly, it it feels that way. Yeah, at least Denver, Denver can occasionally move the ball. I mean, offense for eighty yards, and then the red zone is just the Bermuda Triangle. The 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 the, the Cardinals hit some some uh, highlight shots here and there, but often look like they have no idea what they're doing. It's it's crazy. In perhaps not unrelated news, both the Cardinals and Broncos can get mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this week. <laughs> yeah, that, that that and and the, you know they just extended Kyler Murray in part because he's you he can hit deep balls. They're supposed to like his arm. He's he's, he's not a uh, uh, precision passer. Um, you know, there's questions still about Tua Tagovailoa's arm strength. There's not questions that I've seen a lot about Kyler Murray and his 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 his, his arm. So. What's going on there? I don't know. That's going to be a deep dive that I'll have to get into. And uh, I, uh, I'm not going to take a victory lap on all of our preseason projections. Yeah, I'm going to take one on the Arizona Cardinals. We called this one big time. Yeah, we were wrong about the Broncos. Wrong about the Broncos, but we were yep. very right about the Cardinals. And speaking of coaches and GMs who are perhaps on the hot seat. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Think about it, like, wait, you can fire someone after giving them an extension in the offseason? No, why did yeah. no one tell me this? You know, yeah. we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's it's trending downwards, uh, trending upwards. However, somehow are the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Every every week, every week. I blame we, Lizzo. Yeah. Every week we're here saying, "Oh, the Vikings are the worst X and X team in NFL history," and they just keep winning. The yeah. Jets outgained them by 199 yards. If the Jets had been able to do anything in the red zone, you know, they would they would have knocked them off. But nope, they are the Vikings, 10 and 2, 
the worst ten and two team in NFL history, just like they were the worst nine and two team in NFL history, just like they were the worst eight and two team in NFL history, and they are almost the worst than any nine and three team. Yeah, there's one nine and three team with a worse DVOA than the Vikings, and that's the 2020 Cleveland Browns. Otherwise, not only would the Vikings be lower than the rest of the ten and two teams, they would be lower than. any nine and three team. The Vikings have the lowest yardage differential. There are only six teams ever that have had negative yardage differential at 10 and two. And the Vikings are the lowest of those teams. And at plus 10, they have the lowest point differential of any 10 and two team. The next lowest is the Seattle Seahawks of 2019 at plus 36. So they just, can't keep uh, getting away with this. So they, they, that's about right. I know. Now. I know. I, I, they cannot keep getting away with this. Like they, no, they, they dodge bullets every week. And I'm putting together quick reads. I'm looking through quarterback splits, and I see Mike White is last in red zone DVOA. And I think, well, that checks out because I remember that sequence at the end there when they were going for it on inside the five yard line and couldn't quite score. And then I open, you know, this filter the spreadsheet to Mike White's red zone stats. 17 passes in the red zone without throwing a touchdown. Justin Fields has had games this year where he didn't throw 17 passes for 60 minutes. That's that, that that's that's an eternity inside the 20-yard line and unable to punch it in. And the Vikings can not possibly keep doing this. It's oh. Really crazy. Like they don't necessarily have to lose. They could suddenly play a lot better. But it just, they cannot keep getting outgained by their opponent and winning game after game while they're outgained in yardage. Like eventually they're either going to have to lose or gain more yards than the other team. This week, the Vikings uh, are on the road. They're playing the Detroit Lions. And the Lions are 2.5 point favorites over, you know, the 10 and 2 Vikings. Five and seven Lions are favorites over the Vikings. And by the way, are much higher in DVOA too. Uh, and yet, you know, the Vikings are going to stumble their way into a win on this one, and they're going to clinch the division. I mean, we, it's, it's going to happen because the Vikings apparently can't the lose. Vikings no the Vikings have the number 30 remaining schedule. I'm going to check this because this is true going into Monday Night Football. But uh, Jared Goff, as of about 15 hours ago, was leading all NFC quarterbacks in passing DYAR. He is and, still is. Uh, yes. He still is. He is third in the league and fourth in DVOA. So, um, yeah, like, and, and Vegas agrees. It's not just us. We're not crazy. The Vikings are not nearly as good as their record. The Lions are probably a little bit better than their record. Um, this is a crazy year, man. <laughs> this is a really, it's, really not, crazy. I mean, it's not like the Lions are favored by 15. I mean, no, the Vikings no. could easily win this game. Oh, absolutely. All right, sticking in the NFC North then, uh, another game. I made the comparison in uh, uh, the Discord chat that Justin Fields is the Shohei Otani of the NFL. He's he's uh, he makes he, he's an, a dual threat player, the likes of which we have never seen, whose team always loses. Now Fields made some mistakes at the end of this game that made me realize he's not Otani yet, but um, he, he's still doing things we've never seen before. Yeah, entering this season, no quarterback in the history of the league had ever had three 50-plus yard rushing touchdowns over an entire career. Fields has done that in, the le- in less than a month. He has more 50-yard rushing touchdowns than any other player in football this year. Yeah. 
just this last month, he has been going. You've been going crazy. Uh, he, he had six games in a row, I think, with fifty yards and a rushing touchdown, which has never been done by a quarterback before. He's just doing all kinds of crazy things, and the Bears keep losing. Yep, and that that put the Packers over the Bears for the most wins in NFL history. Seven eighty-seven wins historically for the Packers. We we were talking about this at the beginning of the season when the Bears played the Packers, and oh, it's just going to be a matter of time. Well, because the Packers have been so bad this year, the matter it took all the way to December for them finally to get that one game advantage. And our final note here about the uh, Packers: Christian Watson uh, maybe making a late push for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he has seven touchdown receptions in the last four games. That's not even including the the uh, the, the run he had at the end, towards the end. Only Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams have more touchdown catches for the entire season. I don't think Watson is the offensive rookie of the year if you voted today. But, I mean, if Watson keeps this up over the last month, at least he's got to be in the conversation, I think. He has to be in the conversation. I would vote for Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson is also, also definitely uh, up there in consideration. Watson, I think, has come on a little too late, but he has come on <laughs> a little too late. I, I think at this point it's probably down to uh, those three names. And Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Walker is still the favorite. Yep. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, but he's he's uh, off my radar because it's been a f- quite a few weeks there. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, great quarterback, not a perfect quarterback, and uh, he's, he. I, I'm real already tired of the Joe Burrow owns mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes narrative. He's won only three games, and the three games are like a total of nine points and one's in overtime. Yeah. But regardless, Joe Burrow keeps beating Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, it's only three times, but the only other quarterback to beat Mahomes three times to this point has been Tom Brady. So, And Tom Brady took six attempts to do that. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not a game between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. There are a bunch of other players who get to play in these football games. 50 uh, But, yeah, at the, you know, that's three games in a row where the, where the Bengals are – have been on top of the Chiefs uh, in, in big high-leverage games as well. Uh, the Bengals, now they had the hardest remaining schedule in the league and the huge win over the Chiefs for their playoff odds. For yeah. their, their now like it's the second hardest remaining schedule in the league. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, they're probably going to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, It was a real question because of just the strength of their, of their closing schedule, but they, keep, they just keep managing to get through it. It's very likely that the seventh spot is down to the Jets, the Patriots, and the Chargers. Yes, and the Chargers do not look like uh, they are capable of, of stringing things together. So this might end up being a an AFC East battle out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, right. the ahead. Jets are better by our numbers, but the Patriots have the uh, tiebreaker. Well, that brings us to discussion of playoff scenarios. We have a trio of teams who can clinch playoff berths here this week yep. for the first time this season. Yeah, the, the Chiefs, Eagles, and Vikings can all clinch playoff first this week. Uh, most of these are all basically foregone conclusions at this point in time. Like, there are 16,384 scenarios in the AFC West, and the Chiefs win 16,066 of them because they just control all the tiebreakers. They, they're dominant. They do need to have a Chargers loss to clinch this week, but Chiefs are going to be in, Eagles are going to be in, Vikings are going to be in. A little more interesting, though, are the, is the elimination scenario because the Rams can get knocked out this week, which would be the earliest exit for a defending champion since the 1999 Broncos. The Rams are about to set all kinds of records for worst season by a defending Super Bowl champion. That's, that's the scenario I'm looking I'm, I'm interested in this week, just how low can the Rams fall? 
especially with their brand new quarterback. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I think the Rams are going to get Baker Mayfield. They are, uh, they are fourth, I believe, in the waiver wire or, order. And all the reports today said they are at least putting in a claim. So mm-hmm. Niners fans who are hoping for Baker Mayfield to save the season somehow, I don't, I don't know why you'd be thinking that, but that looks to be out of the question. Yeah, that's a really curious move because this season's done. I don't know, not mathematically out yet. Well, um, I, 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 the Rams I, don't have their own draft pick, so who cares really? Just that you said how, how many the point of it would only be to judge whether Mayfield should be their backup going. Yeah, I guess that would be it then. Uh, but there are other teams whose uh, seasons can be murty killed this weekend, and we can uh, stop stressing about them so much. And uh, we've already discussed how disappointing these Denver Broncos and Arizona Cardinals have been in 2022. Yeah, the, the Broncos out with a loss or wins by a half dozen other teams. I mean, it, 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 they are this. We thought the Broncos would have, were going to be super. That's the one. That's the preseason projection we were probably the most wrong on. No one could have seen this coming. No one could have seen Russell Wilson turning into a pumpkin. No one could have thought Nathaniel Hackett would be this bad. Yeah, at uh, least with the Rams, we have the injury excuse. Yes, I mean, we knew they were low on death. We were wrong about them. The Everything that has happened for the Rams uh, was something that could have happened. It just, it's just that all the bad things did happen, which is right. uncommon. The, the, with the Broncos, it's that we thought their defense was not going to be that good, but their offense was going to be great. Instead, their defense has been really good, and their offense has been pathetic. But yep. even the defense has slipped up over the last couple of weeks. Over I'm the last still, couple of weeks, their defense has dropped. Yep. I'm still holding out hope that they can have the fewest points scored and the fewest points allowed. But but the defense has fallen behind the 49ers uh, on that stat. So they've got to they've got to step things up a little bit over the last couple of weeks if they want to just have that low scoring infamy uh, record attached to the name forever. God, I, I I I live for these stupid stats. Come on, Denver, be a, li- be a little bit better and worse simultaneously. You can do it. <laughs> Well, the uh, Broncos and Cardinals, they're, uh, e- if either one of those teams loses, they're out this week. And there's a couple other winning combinations where even if they win, uh, things don't fall their way. They could, they could still be out by the end of the week. So, yeah. Um, we, we're getting down to there it. There you we're go, Denver and Arizona fans. Time to pray. Finally clearing out the chaps so we can actually get into the, to the uh, exciting races yes. of the last couple of weeks. It, it, it is time. It is time to start rendering some of these teams as officially and mathematically for real irrelevant and focusing on the real contenders. Uh, it is also time to say hello to our friends at Underdog Fantasy because you, yes, you, the FO listener, you can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. If your season-long fantasy teams are floundering, you can play Underdog's Battle Royale, a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. Or try their pick'em games, where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. And uh, while you are signing up for things, of course, sign up for FO Plus, where you get those quarterbacks uh, directional splits we were talking about earlier. Footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, premium articles. Derek Klassen's all 32 game previews are awesome, everyone. Uh, You should be paying to read those because they're worth the money. And you also get an ad-free experience at footballoutsiders.com, the entire site. And I want to uh, invite all of you to join us on the Football Outsiders Discord server. We've mentioned a couple of times how fun it is to uh, 
interact with each other, interact with the FO staff on game day. It uh, really enhances your football watching experience. And with that, I believe we are done for the day. I want to thank Aaron Schatz. I want to thank Brian Knowles. And most of all, of course, I want to thank you listeners for joining and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Let's do it again next week, and we'll talk about who's been fired between now and then. That's good.